In this episode, you will discover how to attract more ideal and ready clients, convert them and maximize lifetime value, and how to leverage, monetize and monetize your IP or intellectual property. My friend Mitch Axelrod is a number one Wall Street Journal, Barnes and Noble and Amazon bestselling author of the new game of business and the new game of selling. He has written dozens of training programs, hundreds of articles, and delivered 3,500 talks, seminars, workshops, and clinics on sales, service, entrepreneurship, values, and peak performance. Mitch has trained 1 million professionals, helped generate $3 billion with a B of new revenue, and lectured at New York University, Notre Dame University, University of South Southern California, and is a faculty member at Harvard. Brian Tracy says, my good friend Mitch Axelrod is one of the foremost authorities on peak performance in the United States. His technique, method, and process are responsible for boosting more people into the ranks of the top 10% than almost any other trainer alive. Welcome, Mitch. Thank you, Mustafa. It sounds like uh, my father used to say that and $2.50 will get you on the New York subway. <laughs> nice. Nice. How's your day so far? Oh, great. I was looking forward to this. We haven't had a chance to actually sit down and chat, and so I'm raring to go. I'm looking forward to this. Where about are you? I'm in sunny San Diego, America's finest city. Love it. And what's it like right now? Uh, like it is every day, about 72 and sunny, almost every day. Nice. Actually, Do you guys ever experience winter down there? There is no winter really here. We get 40s, but nothing. So go no. that's, <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm here. <laughs> so it pretty much goes from hot to warmer to warm, right? There it is. You got it. And back to hot again. Love it. So let's dive into it. Uh, Mitch, what is your story? Wow. Uh, I can summarize it in uh, like 44 years. Next week, actually, um, I started uh, being an entrepreneur from the day I walked out of college. And that was 44 years ago, October 31st. Uh, I took my insurance exam while I was working part-time at night. And uh, I got into business on Halloween, uh, 1978. Uh, and I realized that that time coined the phrase psychologically unemployable. I could work with people, but I did not like working for people. Um, and so I started as a financial planner. I spent 10 years there. I became a millionaire at 32 and was busted, bankrupt, and broke at 34. Uh, lost a lot of money in a real estate investment on the New Jersey shore. Um, my wife was eight months pregnant. I squirreled away five grand and I said, what do we do now? She says, well, you can't work for anybody. So I contacted a, a guy I had met a couple of years earlier, Brian Tracy. And I called him up. I said, hey, here's my situation. You got the last $5,000 I got. I'll pay you. I won't pay my mortgage. I'd like to be a distributor. Can I do something with you? And he said that he didn't say, his associate said, all right, we've never done this before. 
uh, but we'll finance you. And so within 30 days after that, I had a client paying me 2,500 a month, covered my bills. Within six months, I was back up to a hundred grand a year on retainer money. And I realized that I found the thing I was meant to do, to speak, to train, to coach people and do it in large groups. I used to coach 50, 100, 500. I spoke to 5,000 people once. I was doing an all-day training. And so that's how I kind of got launched 30 years ago into this business. And then I made a, a major discovery, and I'm going to share a little more about this later on in the conversation, why everybody was creating their own products, right? Their own training programs. They're printing them, recording them, getting a 1,000. They had to spend a lot of money. And I said, this seems kind of what I call bass backwards, right? Uh, you spend all this money. I said, what if I did it the other way? Because I'm an unconventional thinker. Uh, I don't think outside the box. I coined the phrase, throw the box away. No box, no borders, no boundaries. And so I created a table of contents. 21 ways to double your sales. Why? Because I had doubled my sales three years in a row. And I said, what did I do? I called up five people in the insurance industry. I said, I want to do a whole day event, 21 ways. I did not have the program. I had a table of contents. He said, fax me the table of contents. I faxed it to him. He said, done deal. I was paid $4,000 for that day. However, he, he said to me, could we record it? I said, absolutely. And that was the first major distinction because none of my colleagues would allow people to record them. I said, one condition, you give me the masters at the end of the day, which is what I was intending to do. But he asked me instead of me asking him. At the end of the day, he says to me, Mitch, that was the best thing I've ever seen. There were 400 people in the room. Uh, he said, we want this. I said, what do you want to do with it? Not how many people. He says, we want to give it to everybody in our company. How many? 4,000. The cassettes were still in the recorder. He said, how much? On the spot. He says, how much? At the time, Nightingale Conant was selling their cassette albums for like $29.95, 39 I said, I want $10 a person times $4,000, $40,000. You record it, you duplicate it, you ship it. I just want the profit and I'll save you the rest. He said, done deal. So I walked in there with the table of contents, did an all-day program, got the masters of the program, sold it back to him for 40 grand, which I then called the duplicator, said he's going to get you uh, payment, you just duplicate. And I realized I was not in the product package program business. I was in the intellectual property business. It went from my mouth to that machine to his ears. And he said, let's make a deal. And so that set me on a 30 year journey where I didn't produce. That was the only program I actually ever produced. All of what I've done is selling, renting, and licensing to companies 
So I don't have to carry inventory. I didn't have to have a warehouse. I didn't have any overhead. I had 85% profit while all my colleagues had overhead, inventory, thousands of units. And I had none of that. And I became the only Burger King in a world of McDonald's. Meaning, I told companies, you can have it your way. I'm not going to prepackage it. You tell me what you want and I'll give it to you your way. And you can produce it and print it and duplicate it. I just want the profit. So that was when I discovered that we're in the intellectual property business more than courses or trainings or packages or programs or products. And then for the next 30 years, I've been on the journey to train people. Uh, in the mid-90s, I came up with a brand called The New Game of Business. I wrote the book in 2003, coming up on 20 years. Then The New Game of Selling. Then The New Game of IP. Until, and I realized that um, I've caught my brand. And so today, we're going to talk about some of the pieces that come out of the new game of selling, the new game of business, the new game of service that you can use to attract more of your ideal customers, uh, create more revenue on the back end, find out what you actually do. And so for the last uh, 30-something years, I've been mostly involved in training, uh, advising, and licensing my intellectual property. So that's a quick thumbnail. Love it. Love it. You've got quite a history there and um, very interesting. And I, and I look forward to the rest of our conversation to tap into your wisdom. So uh, uh, Mitch, what do you do these days and who do you serve? Uh, I do quite a bit of work with uh, small businesses and entrepreneurs, but my sweet spot is working with larger companies, uh, seven, eight, even nine figure companies. And the reason is because what we're going to talk about an entrepreneur, a solo practitioner can take and use to really multiply their ROI, return on investment, right? But when you think about a company with 10, 20, 50, 100, 500 people who could all deploy the same uh, skill or the same model or the same framework, and you get the, you know, the geometric ability to say, oh, if only 10% of them improve 10%, the effect on our company is massive, all right? So it's really a matter of scale. So what the entre what we're going to talk about, the entrepreneur or the solo practitioner or the coach or consultant can use, because I've used it, and, and I'm a solo practitioner pretty much. I don't have a big organization. Uh, but where we really want to uh, make the difference and have the bigger impact geometric is when we can make one little shift. In fact, 30 years ago, ironically, Brian started as my mentor. And then 30 years ago, five years later, I got to be the keynote speaker at his international conference. And I had six, six words on the flip chart in the front. And I popular, I didn't invent a phrase, but I popularized it. Big doors swing on little hinges. The original quote was little hinges swing big doors. I didn't like the way that was phrased, so I rephrased it. And when you think about it, small distinctions lead to big possibilities. If you can find the little hinge, so the first five words in my book, The New Game is Selling, 
Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Leonardo da Vinci. Everything I do, I do simply. And the simpler it is, if you can do it in one word, that's great. One step, one formula, one framework, one model. So I'm going to share some of those with you, actual models that we use. Small distinctions, big possibilities, big payoff. Love it. Love it. Um, I, I love your simple approach. My entire brand is about being simple. Like I got my book coming up, Simple Retention Formula. Then we got Simple you know, Conversion Formula, Simple Target Market Formula. Everything is about being simple. And I'm a huge 80-20 fan. Like keep it simple. If you, if you, if you could get rid of 80% of it and still deliver the message, yeah, that's what we should do. Love it. <laughs> love it. So, uh, Mitch, let's dive into... Um, uh, uh, some 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 processes and methods. What's the best way to attract more more ideal and paying clients? Okay, so I'm a I'm an actual fanatic, you could say, uh, for language, for words. Uh, words make a big difference, right? So the first thing I would say is the question: What is the best? Um, you really never know what's the best. You really never know if there's a best. Um, so when people say to me, you know, what's the best way? Well, I don't know what the best way is. The best way for me may be different for you. What's a good way that we know will work? I can give you that. So let, let's talk about, let me give you a good way. And it's first to identify what is ideal. All right. So ideal, I don't think of in terms of an avatar, a psychographics, demographics, Here's how you find your ideal customer. Unless you're an absolute startup and you have no customers, right? So let's assume you have some clients, whether you're a small, big, doesn't matter. The, the real question you ask yourself, what, of, what kind of, a, which clients do we want more of? In fact, if we had to pick one client, which client represents our highest and best client that if we had more of them, just them, we'd be happy as could be. Now, we could have a lot of different clients. We may have uh, middling clients. I use an analogy. In fact, I'll, I'll kind of sneak peek it to you here. It's that if you use analogies outside of your business, sometimes they make more sense. So many of us have uh, different kinds of offerings for different kinds of buyers. So I, I use something called the automobile car dealership model, the showroom model. Are you a Mercedes kind of Jaguar dealer? Are you a mid, mid range like Honda or Lexus? Or are you a more uh, a modest kind of transportation, uh, let's say a Kia? All right. And when somebody comes to your, uh, your complex, because many car dealerships have more than one dealership. Do they put you in the top of the funnel and try to slide you down, sell you the high price? Then No. They say, what are you looking for? Are you an economy buyer? Are you a mid-range buyer? Or are you a luxury buyer? Here, go to this showroom. Go. So the first thing is to say, where are we in the marketplace? Do we service a Mercedes audience in this analogy? Do we service a, a, 
a Honda or let's say Lexus audience, or do we serve more of a modest audience? Then who do we want more of? All right. So I said, I'm going to give you in our conversation, two questions, literally that can turn a business around and that can give you so much new business and so many ancillary benefits. So I'm going to drop one on you right now. Once you identify in your clients, your customers, who you want more of, and you can want more Mercedes and you can want more of all of them, the next step is to go back to those best people and ask them at least one of the five questions of service that have produced a quarter of a billion dollars for my clients from AT&T, IBM, uh, John Hancock, Prudential, all the way down to home business owners. Why did you buy from me? I worked for about 10 years, almost exclusively in the insurance industry. Do you know that not one company actually had it as part of their service protocol to go in and ask, there's dozens, hundreds of insurance agents, financial, why did you pick me? So let me tell you a story. Back in the early 90s, I was doing corporate exclusively corporate work. I asked a client, why did you bring me in here? You got consultants walking in and out of here all day long. You got trainers on staff. You got a big organization. Why me? He said, Mitch, you're the first guy who told us to break down the walls between marketing, sales, and service, and to look at it as one holistic process and that marketing should support sales, should support service, and it should be like a continuous. And so as a result of that, we are now better able to attract, convert, and keep customers. I said, oh, my God, can I, can I say that? Can I say that you said that? He said, of course. In fact, I'll write on a piece of paper, and you can put it out to what, and what dawned on me at that moment was the difference between a USP and what I call a USA. USP is your unique selling proposition. It's what you perceive, believe, uh, come up with as far as what makes you unique and different. Then you put it out to the world and you hope it attracts the kind of people that you want to attract. But all that stuff comes from inside you, the company, the business. It doesn't come from the customers. On the other hand, he said to me, this is what you do for us. And I realized that then I could use the four words that I couldn't use before. My clients tell me. When somebody says, what do you do? I don't say, I do this or I come. I say very humbly, my clients tell me I'm really good at helping them attract, convert, keep, now multiply and reactivate customers. What, which one of those do you want to do better? And do you see how getting that from my client totally shifts? Because now I'm saying what my, and you find out by asking, why did you hire me? Why do you buy from me? You insulate yourself against somebody else coming in and taking your place. You leverage that conversation into new business. You can then go out and ask a series of that, that question to a series of clients, and you will find out 
your three to five unique, different, and better capacities. And now you wrap your entire marketing message in what your clients tell you because you want more of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're working backwards from service to marketing. And that's the whole idea of turning service into profit. It's the ultimate profit model. Love it. Um, so the first question was, um, why did you buy from me? Which people give you and tell you exactly why they bought from you. And you could use their language to introduce yourself to other people. And when they ask you, what do you do? You could say, um, my, my clients tell me that I'm really good at X, Y, Z. Now, which one of these apply to you? My clients tell me I'm the guy who does simple retention formulas. Right. My exactly. clients tell me whatever. You see, the thing about it is you can't say what your clients tell you. If you don't ask your clients, they right. won't tell you. Right. But if you ask the best ones, the ones you want lots more of, they're going to give you what you can't get from hmm. inside out. And that is they're going to tell you what makes you different, why they're attracted to you, what's the emotional. They're going to give you all kinds of great in, intelligence that you can sculpt into a powerful, and it could be more than one. It could be three. You could have, you know, three different car dealerships. So our Mercedes clients tell us we ride in luxury. We take care of all the things that they want that they, they don't, it's all done for you. The mid price car. Well, we give them a, kind of a, an advanced ride, but it's, it's not the basic transportation. There's some, et cetera. You want cost effectiveness? Guess what? Here's the brilliance of this model. All three cars get you to the destination. The question is, how do you want to ride? Absolutely. So if you have more than one choice, that's a beautiful way to frame it. Beautiful. And what I love about that question is uh, when you ask the question, you will understand exactly why they bought from me or you. And, and it could be different different than what I thought, why they bought from me, right? I thought maybe they want customers, but when they tell me why they bought from me, maybe they haven't they had another problem or they were trying to fix another problem the way they saw it. And I could reflect that to other people and say, my people tell me that they wanted to fix X. And that just, uh, I love that question. So so the first one, what, why did you buy from me? What is the, uh, you said there was five questions? Well, that's our secret sauce. You know, that's our formula that we I, sell for a whole lot. But I, I did say that I was going to give you one more question. Beauty. Um, and you're going to really be shocked at how simple it is. Okay. Um, and, and it's only one word different than the one I just gave you. What is it? Why did you not buy from me? Why did you not buy from me? So this is from uh, people that didn't buy from you. You have three types of people. You have present clients, you have past clients, and you have prospective clients. Okay? By the way, you could ask this question, why did you buy from your competition? So I get a lot of business from my competition. I don't really see competition because I don't have any. We don't, If you ever an abundance mindset, you, you give people other business. I give my competition business. So, because they're not competition, right? I have what I do. They, 
I'd rather cooperate and join venture. And actually that's how we met, right? Through a common group. So it's not competition, but really when you think about it, um, the idea of understanding why people are not buying instead of going back and trying to dazzle them with more information and more reminders and scarcity and it's going to end tomorrow. It's like, Hey, I'm just curious, Mustafa, you decided not to go forward just for, for my own sake. Cause honestly, very often when my clients decide to not to go forward, my knee jerk reaction is what did I do to screw it up? Right. Whereas I don't want to assume, I don't want to think, see, if you make assumptions, you get into trouble. And that's why it's a bad thing to think that we know why people buy from us. And it's actually just as difficult and bad to not know why people don't buy. Oh, no, Mitch, it had nothing to do with you. It's timing. Oh, great. Can we talk about that? Or Mitch, I'm sorry, as much as I'd love to give you my business, my brother-in-law is an insurance agent and my wife is going to kill me if I buy from someone else. Okay. I I've, I don't feel like I screwed up, right? Or I, I should have used the right angle clothes or the twist your arm behind your back clothes. Or in other words, it's a great way for you to re-engage the conversation, rewind the movie. So you say, oh, let's go back. Let's talk about that. Or guess what? Mitch, you did a great job. I just, you know, it's not right for me, not the right time, whatever. Great. I wonder, who do you know? Where should I go? Who do you know who might enjoy a conversation like we had? Because he didn't, he didn't tell me he didn't buy and get out of my life. He might have said, I didn't buy for a number of reasons some of which you can re-engage the conversation, maybe rewind the movie, and then cover it. See, what I've observed from training a million people is that the most successful people talk the least. They ask mm-hmm. the most powerful questions in the right order, at the right time, in the right way, and they shut up. And they allow the conversation to be talk about 80-20, 80% listen, 20% talk. And of the 20% talk, 80% of that should be questions, specific questions that advance the relationship. So all the things that we teach on how do we create $3 billion of revenue because we show you how to work backwards from the outcome. So now you know your ideal comp client. You know who you want more of. You've talked to them about why they're favoring you with your business. There are other people out there, the very clients you have who should be able to refer you. Now you can introduce yourself based on the track record you have with other clients. And I'm going to give you the most powerful networking formula that has ever been developed in the history of mankind. Okay. That's a little bit over the top. Um, That's what people who have told me, I've shared this with. Ready? I developed this 35 years ago. I evolved it into something I call rejection-proof networking. How to eliminate rejection for your life forever. All right? So we used to sell this for $195, and boom, 
it was worth every penny. I decided I'm going to give it away from now on. Because if you can do this, you can open up doors that are ridiculous. So three parts. Part number one, here's what I do. Part number two, here's why I do it. Part number three, here's who I'm looking for. You start to see a very common thread through weaving through all of what I do. Everything's connected. Okay. So how is everything connected? What do I do? My clients tell me I do this. Well, you don't know what you do. You could say what you think you do. I'm not talking about what you sell. What you sell is transportation. What you do is the destination. And very often we confuse our transportation with the destination. So you, you have many ways to get people where they want to go. The question is where do they want to go? And then you, like a travel agent, you provide the transportation that will get them there. So go back to your clients. Why do you hire me? Why do you buy from me? What do I do for you? Okay, here's what I do. Part two. Here's why I do it. Now, this is not your long drawn out story about you doing your dishes in the bathtub. Nobody cares anymore. Your story is only good as it relates to the people who are listening to it, who can see your journey relates to their journey. Okay. The real nut nectar, the juice in the why I do it is how it creates, how it fills a void in the marketplace. So I first created this in 1982. Here's what I do. I help people get into the top 5% of financially independent people. Wow. How do you, why do you do that? You know why I do it? Because only 5%, one in 20, and that was 30 years ago, only 40 years ago, only one in 20 people in the United States at that time was financially independent. Now the number is 1%. That means you have a 99 to 1 chances against you of being able to stop working and live at least 70% of your lifestyle. And I want to be in that 5% and I want to help as many people to be. So do you see in my why I made a shocking statistic that relates to how, why I want to do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And at the time who I was looking for, was people who had $25,000 or more to invest. That was very specific, right? So if you're a coach, consultant, trainer, self-employed, software, uh, service provider, here's what I do. Your clients tell you that. Here's why I do it. Your personal why and the mission behind what you do in terms of how you're improving, not changing the world, but how you're improving a niche. I set out to be really to change, not change the industry, but in early 90s, I was teaching how to be trusted advisors, financial planners. And it just happened to be at the right time. And somebody snapped my picture giving a seminar. And the next thing I know, I'm on the front page of the biggest industry magazine a million people get it. And, and the thing said, Mitch Axelrod, trainer, 
is teaching this company's insurance agents how to transition or change from product salespeople to trusted advisor. That put me above every other trainer in the industry because the industry was changing. My point being that when you figure out your why, connect it to something that you can be an advocate for the people you serve. And then the most important part of this, which is what we're talking about, is who are you looking for? And we started this with who's your ideal client? Well, when mm-hmm. you find out who you want more of, you say, I'm looking for such and such and such and such. And you finish it up with, who do you know? Where should I go? You cannot get rejected. I don't know anybody now. That's fine. I'll come back to you at some point. And the better I get at describing who I'm looking for, the better. So, hey, by the way, I'm looking for somebody else. This or them. Fantastic. Fantastic. So once you once you bring in leads, and uh, uh, and I like your comment about. Before I ask the next question, you talk comment comment about you listen eighty percent of the time and you talk twenty percent. Anyone when you talk twenty percent, you ask better questions to even dig more out of your prospect and the people that you're talking to. Um, so once you bring these people in front of you and you're talking to leads and uh, prospects. What's a quick way to qualify and sort sort tire, kick, tire kickers and browsers from actual buyers? Okay. So there's a lot of talk today about the buyer's journey. Mm-hmm. Like they're taking a journey. Okay. And I, I can relate to that because what I talk about, you're in the travel business, you're in the transportation. When I started back when, people said, what do you do? Right. I didn't want to say I'm an insurance agent. That used to be a, a joke. Like if you say you sell insurance, everybody runs out of the room. They figure it. So I said, I'm in the transportation business. And back then I had a full head of curly hair. They said, oh, do you drive a cab, ride a bu- uh, run, uh, drive a bus? No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I help people get from point A to point B financially. Where are you going? See that? That became a total game changer. Right. In fact, the, the whole getting from where you are to where you want to be originally originated 40 years ago with that formula. So the, the key here is understanding the three types of buyers, satisfied, dissatisfied, and ready. Why I, I work backwards rather than forwards is because once I know the ideal client, why they're they're buying from me, now I say, okay, where do I find those people? I want to drop my fishing line, not in any stream, but in a stream of hungry fish. I coined that phrase 40 years ago. Because when you think about marketing, a lot of it is scattershot all over. You, You hope it hits, and then you funnel them down and they come out the bottom. But that's inefficient. There's a much more efficient, cost-effective way. If you get really clear on who your, quote, ideal buyer is, then you start looking for where the fishing holes are, where they congregate, where they aggregate. And that's where you drop your line. Now, the next thing is to distinguish satisfied, dissatisfied, 
ready. I call it phase one, phase two, phase three. You should never be talking to satisfied, talking metaphorically, because satisfied buyers, there's nothing to talk about. So you want to meet people at least at the dissatisfied stage. However, again, very simple things. Big doors, some little hinges. Here's a little hinge that will save you probably 100 hours in the next year. One question. Are you ready or are you getting ready? What's the difference? Well, if I'm ready to do something, buy something, make a change, have something, go somewhere, become something, then I'm actively looking for that which will help me accomplish it. However, if I'm only 211 degrees, not quite boiling yet, I'm still getting ready. And because the new game is selling in service teaches you how to prevent objections. I never, ever, ever get objections. And we teach people exactly how to never get objections. All right. We create that. All the selling systems that I was taught early on had a module or a program or a pat or a section on overcoming objections. The new game of selling is the only training I know that has no reference to how to overcome objections. You know why? Because we don't get them. And if you know how to have conversations, ask the right questions, qualify people carefully, you know why you, you get objections? It's very simple. You are out of alignment with people. And their only way to stop you from proceeding is to question, object, resist. It's a sign that you're off course. And you know why we don't get, I don't say we don't get questions or concerns. Those are not objections. Because we don't try to sell people what they don't want. And the hmm. reason you get objections is because you're talking about uh, things maybe, or buy, buying something people don't want. You may think they need it, but if they don't want it, they have, it's a, it's a, it's a human thing. If you're talking about something I don't like, I'm going to resist. I'm going to back up. So how do I do that in a conversation? I bring up things that sound like objections. So how do you eliminate that? Well, very simple. R-A-M-M. R-A-M-M. Result, action, measure, modify. Where are you going? Give me your destination. Where do, travel agent, where are you going? Result, what do you want to accomplish? Great. A, action. What are you doing now? What are you doing tomorrow? What do you plan to do? Thank you. Good. What actions have you taken in the past? I'm not taking any action. I'm stuck in inertia. Okay, good. Let's, let's talk about that. Next step, M, measure. Measure. Are you on or off course for where you want to go to your destination? I'm a little bit off course. You know, if you get one degree off course and you track it out to your infinite trajectory, you wind up someplace totally different than you anticipated. Yep. Yep. Okay. Second mm -hmm. M, modify. Mm -hmm. What changes, adjustments do you have to make? Are you ready? Are you committed? Are you willing? Are you able? If you meet those criteria, then you have a real buyer. 
And then the final piece to this is if they're not ready, the question is, what will take you from getting ready to being ready? And if you can fulfill that, chances are good you might actually accelerate the pace at which they get ready. And now you have a ready buyer. So that's one of the most powerful ways to really sort your people quickly. And if you had to break it down to one question, it would be, are you ready to do not buy my product, not use my service, but to accomplish the outcome, the destination, the whatever it is you're getting or going toward? Love it. Love it. The first question was, are you ready or are you getting ready? And then if they say, no, I'm not, then the response would be, what will it take to go from getting ready to being ready? Right. And then, uh, hmm, are you ready to fix this problem? Are you ready to tackle this issue? Are you ready to find a solution and apply it? Right. Love, love that qualifying question. Uh, and by what, the way, one, just one thing. They might say, I'm not ready but it will be ready in 30 days because I have to organize some things. Oh, okay. So we don't have to use the trial close or another hard sell tactic. It could be just a time delay. Uh, one, one, uh, I love that question. One of the things we do with our, uh, with our follow-up service and that we do, we actually qualify people for our customers. And one of the questions that we ask similar somewhat questions and a financial uh, question we ask is, are you in a position to invest in yourself or your business to fix this problem? Right. And then to me, like I would follow those beautiful questions that you laid out with the financial question so that we don't have a person that is broke. Like they may be ready, but they don't have the money. <laughs> well, that And that's why the other three criteria, you see, there are four criteria to have a real buyer. Com ready is the first thing. Committed, mm -hmm. you could be ready, but not committed. You got to be committed. Then you got to be willing. In fact, I this is what we teach in conversion school, if you will, and how to how to get these. And then you've got the biggie, able. And able used to be just money. It's not just money, it's time, it's bandwidth, it's resources, it's mm -hmm. attention. As you shift your attention, you know, things you look at change as you change the way you look at them. Do you have the bandwidth? Do you have the attention? You could have plenty of money, but you have no bandwidth. You have no time. Somebody said that to me. Hey, I, I just, I'm up to here. I'd love to work with you. I'd lo love to implement. Okay, great. We know what the impediment is. It's not an objection. It's a condition. I just yeah. don't, great. When will you have the bandwidth? I think in three months. Do you fit the year of the criteria? Yes. Do you have the money? Yes. Do you have the time? Yes. Do you have the resources? Yes. Do you have the people? Not sure. Okay, great. That's another piece we have to fulfill. So instead of trying to hard close them or force them to make a decision before they're ready, put yourself in the position that when they're ready, they're coming back to you. 100%. I actually literally had a conversation about bandwidth like, I did a follow-up with, with one of my prospects today, literally before we went live, I was just talking to them and she's like, I literally don't have the bandwidth for you guys. Cause I, and she's like, I know you guys are going to book a bunch of appointments for us, but I just don't have time and the bandwidth to handle the business. So we need to wait 
until I hire someone new and deal with a bunch of things. So we're like, yeah, no problem. We could. And when when would be a good time? And she's like, two or three weeks from now, let's touch base again. And uh, and um, yeah, love it. Just getting to the bottom of what's happening and understanding them better. So we're not just pushing and working on closing and, you know, if, if they actually. Yeah. You know, the old game of selling was trial close, trial close, trial close. I was taught that never felt natural, never felt real, mm-hmm. felt contrived, felt I was pushing. So it's like, you know, I have a philosophy. Fish eat when they're hungry, not when we drop the line. Your Love job them. is fish to find the hungry. hungry. Your job is to find the hungry fish. Where are they? And Love that's it. easier than ever with LinkedIn and Facebook and all the social media and referrals and your network. Oh my God, there's the fish are hungry right inside your circle of influence. You just have to know how to drop your line where they are. Absolutely. And then we can always wait until they're hungry, which is what what we're we are in business of follow-up. Like people think they show up, they're like, Are you hungry now? They're like, No, I'm not. They're like, Okay, no problem. And then we'll just go look for someone else. But we're like, look, you just spend a bunch of time and money to find this prospect. Why don't you wait until they're hungry? Because I'm sure they're going to be hungry one day, right? Or find (laughs) out what's going to make them hungry. Yeah. It's like you can wait forever. I don't want to wait forever because some people will, you know, they're waiting 30 years. It's like, what's going to really change and again, it's not about me. It's about you. You want to go somewhere. You want to get something. You want to do something, have something, or be something. I am a navigator, an agent, transportation. I want to help you get there. What's going to remove the rock that's in the way? Is it something I can help you with? Or do you have to work it out yourself? It's human to human communication, talking to people as you would advise your best friend, your family, whatever, and looking at that person as a potential goldmine of opportunity, whether they become a customer or not, because you know what? In today's game, the new game of business, the way you do business is as or more important than the product or service you sell. Hmm. Love it. So either wait or uh, figure out what's going to make them hungry. So that would, uh, I would call that creating an irresistible offer that would make them hungry that they're like, yeah, actually I want that. Right. Or uh, letting them tell you, and then you coming back with whatever would satiate them. See, we're uh, too quick to try to think if we make a better offer, maybe. Mm-hmm. So we tweak our offer and then we put it out and then yeah. some people buy and then we tweak our offer. Why don't we stop and think like, let me ask you individually and collectively And now I understand what's going to make you hungry. What's going to turn you off. What's your, what's the kind of bait that you will swim away from. And I, if I understand more about my customer, my ideal best customer than anybody else, I'm always going to be either first in line or second in line to get their business. In fact, we used to train people, become a master of understanding your customer more than your product more than your service. Absolutely. So um, 
Mitch, we, we promised people that we're going to talk about uh, using and monetizing their existing uh, intellectual property. We don't have a ton of time. Could you give us a brief um, description of what is your view on that? Uh, very simply is that this up here is essence. Everything that we create in form, a book, a course, a program, a product, a package, uh, a challenge, whatever you do that you're putting into a form that ultimately becomes the form of the IP, the challenge is that you have to make two sales when you do that. First sale is, does it solve the problem that people want? Let's break it down to that. But the second sale is, do they like the form it's in? So we, we have a low-end book, a mid-priced, high-priced, high-priced coaching. So those are all good things. But what's beautiful about IP is that the pieces and the parts within your form, within your course, within your program could be worth as much or more. Quick story. Remember I told you about uh, I was able to get that insurance company to pay me for 21 ways? Well, they then paid me a half a million dollars to create my magnum opus two years later, a a big, big workbook. And I had 37 modules. Can you imagine 37? It was this thick, but that was the style. That was the packaging of the day. So I walk into a client and he looks at me like, what do you got there? I'm not buying that. You know, so like, where do you go from there? Now I knew the guy and I'm a Jersey guy. So we were like right down to the bottom. I said, why not? You know, he said to me, open up the table of contents. I want these five. Now I was selling the whole 37 module with the cassettes for $295, $250, $250 discount for clients. So he picked five out of the table of contents, five modules. He said, how much? So I'm thinking, I'm going to make you an offer you can't accept. You'll have to buy my whole thing. I said, $100 a module, and I shut up, thinking, what am I thinking? He's going to take the, the workbook, who gets all the, he said, sold. When do we start? I said, what happened here? He said, you're trying to sell to me your way. I don't want it your way. I ain't buying. He said, what am I going to do with that big workbook? My guys won't open it. Right. If, if you give it to me my way, you teach us one of these skills every month. I'll pay you to come in and do it. I'll pay you the 500 bucks. Plus I'll pay you to come and teach. Why? I need one sale from each guy and I got my money back and then I'm in profit forever. I have zero chance of that happening with your workbook. I have a very high probability. I said, you just changed my life. That's beautiful. So, so, so you don't resist that. You're like, what do you want? And you just offered what they wanted. And then and, and in, then, in, and the, way, listen, basically. in the way they wanted it. So exactly. remember I said earlier, I'm the only Burger King in the world of McDonald's. Mm-hmm. For 20 years, everybody had their McDonald's. Here's the burger cooked the way we want to deliver it. What did Burger King say? You can have it your way. So if you look at your training, your course, your book, I don't look at it as as one thing. 
I look at it as if you have 10 modules, 10 chapters, 10 pieces, 10 segments, I look at it as the whole thing is one piece of IP. And then you've got 10 individual pieces of, you've got 11, any one of which could be worth the price, the whole thing, actually more than it, because I don't have to buy all this stuff I won't use to get the thing I want to use. So start selling pieces, parts, uh, combinations, break it apart, deconstruct it, decompose it, reconfigure it, and start to look at solving problems, not selling products. And if you can solve a problem with one thing, pull that one thing out. Today, you can deliver anything singularly from within something bigger by extracting it and just delivering that piece or combination. And it could be worth more than the, than the, what they'd pay for the whole thing because they don't have to buy all the excess. Speaking of uh, taking it apart, I actually have a course called Simple Marketing Formula. It has six modules and I'm turning each module into a book and I'm selling each module separately because altogether it probably cannot digest the whole thing, but it could probably use some help in finding their target market or finding some, uh, uh, some, some help in fixing their follow-up problem, customer retention. So instead of, so exactly what you said, instead of trying to sell them, selling them the whale, I'm like, what's the one problem that you have? Well, let's work on that. Love it. So and then, what, and then what happens? They come back to you to solve another one. Absolutely. And so instead of selling them one package one time, you sell them what's in the package six times and you make potentially six times the amount of money and do six times the amount of good. Love it. Mitch, please tell us about your gift, the ultimate profit model. Uh, yes, I have a 19-minute video which I describe the six steps in the new game of selling. Uh, three, how to attract, qualify, and convert buyers. And then in the new game of service, which is the back end, how to keep, multiply, and reactivate customers. And uh, on that page, you watch the video. I talk about the three phases of the buying cycle, and then we invite people to actually fill out an intake form, which answers a certain amount of questions that we now will give you if you qualify a second opinion on what you put as those things that you're most concerned about. Uh, and in that. addition to that, we'll also give you access to the special report, which is the ultimate profit model how to turn customer service into a profit center. Love it. So again, the link is in the descriptions of uh, the show and on the comments on social media. If you're watching or listening, you could go to the new game of forward slash bonus. Uh, as you can see in a the video, there's a 10 minute video here. And then uh, you have an opportunity to fill out an application for a second opinion with Mitch himself. And gang, if I were you, I would, definitely take Mitch on this um, offer as you would have to pay a lot of money to get a second opinion or actually to get Mitch's opinion, period. Um, so the URL is the new game of selling.com forward slash bonus. Uh, Mitch, uh, that's a that's a generous offer and it's valued at $995. I really appreciate you for putting that gift forward. Can I ask you some some rapid fire quick questions before we wrap up? Sure. What's a new thing you have tried recently? A new what? 
See? And you think you have tried recently? Tried? Big or small? Yes. Something you've, you've done or tried recently? Um, actually, a whole new project that we're launching uh, around how to be influential, what we call influence mastery, by being a detective of influence. So we're taking what has uh, been used in less than ethical terms, the levers of influence, uh, first discovered by Dr. Cialdini, and we're saying, hey, how to apply them ethically, uh, professionally, consistently to produce effective results. So love uh, it. Love it. Launching. Beauty. Give me two of your favorite books. Uh, my favorite book uh, by Richard Bach, uh, was uh, one a book one O-N-E. He's the man who wrote Jonathan Livingston Siegel way back in the early 70s. Just a fantastic book. And uh, on a whole different plane, uh, Freedom to Live, the life story of Dr. Robert Hartman, who is one of who is my mentor I never met, but uh, really guided me in a whole brand of mine, a, a, a line of work I call the soul role goal of life. So, uh, the, the story of Dr. What was the name of the doctor again? Dr. Robert Hartman. Hartman. Yeah. This is yeah. a whole different line of, of my work. Love it. Va values, by the way. Love it. Love it. Last question real quick. What's one piece of advice that made a massive impact in your life or business? Uh, well, two year, two and a half years ago, I had a stroke, um, and I found out I had a brain aneurysm. I was paralyzed on the entire right side of my body. I couldn't talk, couldn't walk, and I could not move my arm. And uh, in order to get back to the state I'm in now where I can talk and walk and not quite ready with the arm, but getting better, is uh, I had to focus on what was today, not look too far ahead not worry about the past, but stay totally focused on today's work. And I realized that life is too difficult to try to take on tomorrow's problems today. Today's difficult enough. So it really got me to learn how to focus on what's good today and why I'm grateful for being able to get up every day and, and speak and move and never take for granted the little things in life. Um, so that was a profound lesson, and it's helped me really zero in on, on being present in every interaction, every conversation, and not worrying about being out too far in the future. Love it. Love it. I know you have to run. Uh, it seems like we could probably take this conversation for another couple of hours easily, so I really thank you for sharing your knowledge and wisdom. Gang, if you're watching or listening, Mitch is an absolute master at what he does when it comes to IP growing business and processes and procedures. And he, he's a process guy and he, 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 he has done it. I know a lot of people that have worked with him. So you could not go wrong by having a conversation, take him on his, on his offer, go to the link in the descriptions of the show or the comments on social, social media, apply for a second opinion, have a conversation with him and we'll get, take it from there. You've been listening to daily confidence for entrepreneurs. Thank you, Mitch. Ganga, we'll see you next week and enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week. Bye now.